You shall hear how Hiawatha prayed and fasted in the forest, not for greater skill in hunting, not for greater craft in fishing, not for triumphs in the battle and renown among the warriors, but for profit of the people, for advantage of the nations, and with dreams and visions many, seven days he fasted. On the first day of his fasting, through the leafy woods he wandered, saw the deer start from the thicket, saw the rabbit in his burrow, heard the pheasant Baina drumming, heard the squirrel Ajidaumo rattling in his hoard of acorns, saw the pigeon, the Omeme, building nests among the pine trees, and in flocks the wild goose, Wawa, flying to the fenlands northward. Master of life, he cried desponding, must our lives depend on these things? After many days of fasting, in his lodge he lay exhausted, from his couch of leaves and branches, gazing with half-open eyelids, full of shadowy dreams and visions. On the dizzy swimming landscape, he saw youth approaching, dressed in garments green and yellow, coming through the purple twilight. Through the splendor of the sunset, standing at the open doorway, long he looked at Hiawatha, on his wasted form and features, and in accents like the sighing of the south wind, said he, O oh my Hiawatha, all your prayers are heard in heaven, for you pray not like the others. From the master of life descending, I, the friend of man, Mondamin, come to warn you and instruct you, how by struggle and by labor you shall gain what you have prayed for. Rise up from your bed of branches, rise, O youth, and wrestle with me. Faint with famine, Hiawatha started from his bed of branches, from the twilight of his wigwam, forth into the flush of sunset, came and wrestled with Mondamin. At his touch, he gained new courage, throbbing in his brain and bosom, felt new life and hope and vigor run through every nerve and fiber. So they wrestled there together in the glory of the sunset, and the more they strove and struggled, Stronger still grew Hiawatha, till the darkness fell around them. It is enough, said Mondamin, and he vanished, and was seen not. Whether sinking as the rain sinks, whether rising as the mists rise, Hiawatha saw not, knew not, only that he had vanished, leaving him alone with the misty lake below him and the reeling stars above him. I'm Dean Delp, and welcome to the Modernist Monastery. epic poem, which you just heard, is a highly truncated excerpt of the fifth part of the much longer Song of Hiawatha by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. 
Henry, like all of us, borrowed from what he was inspired by, and learned the story from his friendships with the Ojibwe chief Kage Gaga Bo, the Sauk tribe warrior Black Hawk, and several others. It is a story of fasting, one of the world's most ancient, most widespread, and most effective spiritual and physical practices. It's very rare to find a practice so deeply entrenched in vision and mysticism, but yet also undeniably practical, realistic, and down-to-earth. Indeed, when the story of Hiawatha's fasting is read in full, this is portrayed beautifully. The tale is bursting with both the mythically sublime and the naturally visceral, even the pleasantly mundane. In the end, Hiawatha's quest feeds himself spiritually and his people physically. It's also rare to find a practice so fully embraced by both science and religion, not that those two should be viewed as opposing forces. Fasting is moreover simple in the extreme, since it literally requires nothing to do it, although anyone who has fasted can attest that simple doesn't mean easy. And fasting, of some kind or other, is something that can be done by everyone, regardless of your physical health. If you happen to be someone with hypoglycemia, type 1 diabetes, or another condition that prevents you from fasting food, please stick around. There's a lot of ways to fast, and I promise that there are some very effective ones you can do too. But what is fasting? In short, fasting is the voluntary self-denial of something we have a real reliance on. Most commonly, this is food and water, but there are many fasting traditions which employ the denial of other things too, and we'll get to those. Fasting is, as already stated, a tradition practiced for religious and non-religious reasons across nearly every culture. But before discussing the spiritual side of fasting, it's probably best to know how to do it and what you'll gain from doing so. The most common kind of fast is to deny oneself food and sometimes water. The length, frequency, and strictness of these fasts varies greatly. Sometimes it is a single day where, for a period of 24 hours, the faster will have neither food nor water. Other times, like during the Islamic holy month of Ramadan, fasters will go for 30 days, fasting all food and water between the hours of dawn and dusk, eating and drinking only when the sun is down. Others do less stringent fasts and allow themselves water or other liquids while still denying food in order to fast longer. Some yogics and marathon runners will sometimes, very carefully, do a full seven-day consecutive fast of food while still drinking water, tea, coffee, juice, or milk. But most often, people today do what is called intermittent fasting. This is done by limiting the times one eats during the day to specific hours, most often using the 16-8 method where you only eat during a set of eight hours or the looser 14-10 method, where the eating period is expanded to 10 hours. Others do what is called the 5-2 method, which is to fully fast twice per week, or just limit oneself to around 500 calories on two days of seven. And still others fast as frequently as alternating days, either by going down to 500 calories or all the way to zero. Finally, there are many other forms of fasting, such as those of Christian Lent, that simply limit the kind of food you can eat during certain periods. 
Lent, in particular, demands the abstention from meat on appointed days, but historically also sometimes included dairy. Today, people fast from meat, dairy, and very often sugar quite routinely. We will actually return to Lent in a few minutes, but for now, let's talk about what any of this self-denial actually does, and what it does in a strictly scientific sense. First, it's worth noting that fasting physically is something to be done carefully, no matter what variety of it you're attempting. The more extreme your fast, the more care must be taken, and I am not recommending that any of this be done carelessly. While fasting can be very beneficial to your health, it can also cause harm if done improperly or in ignorance of your body's own state. If you have a condition that makes it difficult or dangerous to fast food, especially certain eating disorders, talk to your doctor before attempting it. Even if you don't have such a condition, it's still good to consult someone qualified to examine your body. I'll also say that it's good to start small with fasting and work your way upwards. Most healthy adults can safely fast for a full 24 hours without having done any prior fasting, but if it's something you really want to try, I'd recommend beginning with a few days of 16-8 intermittent fasting, or just skipping a single meal and working up to two. Starting out by just fasting food and keeping water is another good way to begin. And as a final caveat, it's worth noting that extreme forms of fasting, like week-long fasts or strict long-term alternating day fasts, can be dangerous and should not be attempted alone or without prior training. And since most of us have to work during the day, be very conscious of how fasting will interact with the kind of work you do. If you are sitting at a desk inside, then fasting shouldn't cause undue physical or mental strain. If, on the other hand, you work outside in a hot climate, be aware that fasting water is likely ill-advised. At any rate, the clinical literature surrounding fasting is long-standing, robust, and clear. From an evolutionary perspective, our bodies are actually adapted to fast. Having developed long before the first agricultural revolutions made settled civilization possible, Hunter-gatherers had to maintain high energy over multi-day periods without being sustained by adequate food. Our bodies are constantly burning fuel, but especially in the industrially developed West, we eat a lot more than we need to, and the quality of what we eat is often dubious. After around four to five hours of not eating, the body will have consumed its ambient sugar supply and will start burning its own fat. This effect has different names, but is best known as autophagy, coming from the ancient Greek word autophagus, which means self-devouring. Fasting of any kind allows for a much longer time of autophagy than is typical for us, thus allowing the body to burn more and more of its own fat. Autophagy itself is actually much larger than just fat cells, and is the general rejuvenation process the body uses to regenerate old cells and can be seen in skin health, hair growth, muscle development, and much more. This is actually why those longer fasts have to be done very carefully, because you may end up tricking your body into thinking it is actually starving, and the reverse process may trigger, resulting in your body storing as much fat and sugar as possible. But beyond the obvious and understandable weight loss and weight consistency that can come with fasting, there are many more benefits. People who fast regularly are less likely to develop heart diseases, neuromuscular problems from old age, obesity, develop type 2 diabetes, inflammatory bowel disease, 
and it can help with other GI problems, like irritable bowel syndrome, though not always. In the case of type 2 diabetes, there have been several documented cases where, under very close doctor supervision, people practicing intermittent fasting have actually been able to stop taking insulin therapy. It has also been shown that a regular and healthy practice of fasting leads to better working and verbal memory, better resting heart rate and blood pressure, better skin and tissue health, as well as the ability to better retain muscle mass. Outside of that, fasting can greatly reduce body inflammation in several important areas and leads to reduced risk of having a stroke, developing arthritis, and has been shown to reduce symptoms of multiple sclerosis. While you're fasting, bad cholesterol levels are dropped, your metabolism is boosted, and HGH releases can be triggered. HGH, or human growth hormone, is one of the most important chemicals in your body, especially for developing adolescents. Even your immune system is positively affected. In fact, a very prominent study done by the University of Southern California showed that a three-day food fast can regenerate not just some, but the entirety of the cells most important to immune response in your body. All these things help to keep your body running cleanly, which is why many surgeries require you to fast beforehand. Don't expect results immediately, though. For example, most research seems to indicate that it can take up to a month before your body has become used to intermittent fasting specifically, and that you will likely feel tired and irritable in the interim. Other temporary side effects can include nausea and headaches, though after four weeks these almost universally fade, unless you have some other condition. But perhaps most interesting, and starting to wander a little closer to the spiritual side of things, are the mental benefits fasting has. Firstly, because the amount of toxins in your body generally, and your blood specifically, are much reduced, the speed of your thinking and memory recall has been shown to improve. General measures of alertness and perceptivity were increased as well. There are also many studies demonstrating that consistent and even isolated instances of fasting can have considerable effects on your perceived well-being and mental outlook. People with depression self-reported a significant increase in positivity, while people with anxiety self-reported meaningful decreases in feelings of stress and fear. In short, your thinking gets quicker and clearer, and your feelings grow more tranquil. Creative people may find this very beneficial when seeking to generate pieces of art in any medium. Lastly, there's an unquantifiable but very real benefit to the mental discipline required to deny yourself something you really need or even just desire. Being able to resist the temptation of short-term gratification or impulsive sensory pleasure is deeply meaningful for most people. And now we have all but arrived at the spiritual. But before that, I promised we would return to the tradition of Lent and to non-food methods of fasting. Lent is a period of 40 days which commemorates the 40 days Jesus is said to have fasted after his baptism at the hands of John, where he was tempted by the devil. While it is a period of time that is observed very differently among different sects, in contemporary practices of Lent, it is very common for worshippers to either replace the typical fasting or supplement it by abstaining from something else. This non-physical fasting can be anything the worshipper chooses, but typically it is something that the practitioner feels to be an unhealthy pleasure, an addiction, something they have built an undesirable reliance on, 
or even something harmless that they really like to offer as a sacrifice. Social media use and other technology fasts are very common and greatly appreciated by most people who do them. Still, other people give up cigarettes or alcohol, even a sport they like. The point is to give up something that will be difficult, either to increase appreciation of it, develop mental discipline, improve your health, or show religious devotion. But of course, you don't have to be a Christian or anything else to partake in this kind of fasting and to find it deeply helpful and rewarding. Other traditions have practices of fasting things like sexual activity, something especially difficult since there is some literature showing that sexual desire can increase during periods of food fasting. Though whether sexually fasting has any real impact on sexual enjoyment or health is purely subjective or not studied enough to have any real data surrounding it. And on this note, whether it's a hobby or sex, there is a recently popularized idea of so-called dopamine fasting. This is intended to starve yourself of something pleasurable and then to increase the good feeling it gives you when you finally do it again. So far, it appears mostly subjective or statistically unsubstantiated, at least so far. The studies are all very new, and while it may turn out to be nothing more than a pseudoscientific fad, it might not. But whatever you are fasting, if you are spiritual or religious, fasting is one of the most powerful personal tools you have. As I already mentioned with Lent, many traditions use fasting as a method of sacrifice to show individual devotion. This devotion can sometimes be used as evidence of worthiness to qualify for special blessings or divine favor. It can also be done to induce a state of deep humility in oneself, to reacquaint with the weakness and fragile nature of life and body. For many people who worship a deity, it helps them to remember the dependence and thus gratitude they feel towards their creator. Being able to resist bodily desire is also key to many spiritual people as the ability to resist the body allows them to escape temptations to bodily acts they view as sinful. Beyond that, the ability to resist temptation of any kind is of pristine value, and often represents the triumph of the enlightened or righteous spirit over its unruly body or wicked mind. More than this, it is widely held that the sacrifice of the physical allows one to gain a heightened awareness of the spiritual. If you are a spiritual person, this is almost certainly the case, since as we have already covered, the act of fasting does have the effect of quickening and clarifying the mind and quieting the emotions. Both things universally held as needed for spiritual acuity and understanding. Faith traditions from around the world have stories of sages, prophets, and heroes like Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, Hiawatha, and an infinity of others who attain mystical or divine secrets and revelations as the crowning result of a lengthy fast. Thus, fasting has also often been associated with a quest, often spiritual and literal. Even the oldest story we have, the Epic of Gilgamesh, relates that during much of his journey, Gilgamesh does not eat. Something that many Christians and Jews partake of is to fast for something, to request blessings for a family member, resolve a difficult situation for themselves, gain answers to a prayer, or even for something as all-encompassing as the suffering of the world. So, if you decide to give it a try, imbuing your fast with a quest-like intent 
to seek knowledge or receive strength in the face of trial, or even just conquer your own mind and body, may prove deeply enriching. But now, a final word of inspiration, and a final word of warning. In caution, while short-term and occasional or even consistent intermittent fasting is safe and healthy, the longer you fully fast, the more care you have to take, and anything more than two days should be done with supervision, practice, and planning. The week-long fasts done by religious ascetics and peak athletes can be very dangerous unless you're really prepared. Frankly, for the vast majority of people, there's simply no reason to fast for more than one day at a time, and even the alternating day method can be dangerous for some people. Moreover, the mystical and visionary experiences had by some people even today are often the result of extreme fasting and are sometimes combined with psychoactive substances. That is not something to be chased after carelessly, and many such visionaries have been deeply invested in a faith tradition for their entire lives and have trained very rigorously for such things. Don't take on anything you haven't truly prepared for with fasting, whether you are looking for something spiritual or physical. And yet, fasting of some kind, whether it be food or anything else, is something everyone can do to one degree or another, and it can help improve your health in body, mind, and spirit. There is a certain lightness and brightness that comes from doing it, as well as a kind of stillness or even a state of non-desire that can be quite peaceful. In the end, you need nothing to do it, and you have so much to gain. I'm Dean Delp, and this has been Fasting and Self-Denial on Modernist Monastery.